This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to Talking Devils podcast brought to you by talkthedevils.co.uk, your number one independent Manchester United podcast. I absolutely love saying that every week. It's absolutely brilliant. Joined here today by former Manchester United player Phil Marsh. I'm here today to talk about the big one, the biggest the biggest game in English football and probably, in, in my opinion, the biggest game in football, Manchester United versus Liverpool, the, the two biggest clubs in England, the biggest rivalry in football and at the moment, the relegation battle Derby. So we will be chatting all about that uh, this evening, and um, we're going to also chat about um, the, the recent protests um, that we are organised. We're going to chat about that, and also about the situation about the projected takeover that may be happening at the club. We will also talk about that, and then also, um, obviously, the the rumours of Casemiro almost being done to be a Manchester United player. We'll, we will get um, Phil's thoughts on that, and whatever you guys as well um, in the comment section want to bring up to us. Um, we will um, talk about that this evening. But first of all, Phil, I, wa- I, I watched the match reaction after the Brentford game. Not a great day for us United fans. Um, how are you feeling since then? How's the, how's the form been since that game? Um, not too bad. Obviously, you know, it was a shock to the system, even by our standards. Um, yes, it, it wasn't a good day. And... Um, Obviously, not not a game that we'll sort of look back on um, anytime soon. But yeah, no, all good, mate. Obviously, you know it, it's one of them at the moment. We're, we're sort of in a rough period, and you know we're, we're hoping that there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but yeah, just you know, it's going to be a, a sort of um, sort of a long a long road, I think, until we're back sort of where we need to be. And there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road, like the the Brentford game, until you know, the inevitable happens and, and, you know, the glazes are gone and, you know, we get the recruitment side of things right. Um, yeah. And, you know, we, we get the right players into the football club that, that we need. Um, so, yeah, that, that's obviously, you know, not going to be a short-term um, sort of goal, but, you know, that's that's what we're trying to look, look towards doing. Um, so, yeah, that, that's it, mate. And I'm looking forward to, obviously, a reaction which we've said a few times over the, the past couple of seasons after a heavy defeat. But again, you know, if you can't get yourself up for a game against Liverpool, then you know, may as well just all pack up and, and go on. Absolutely. I think I, I was saying this the other day, like you like, you know, you can, if you're not up for a game against Liverpool, like your like your biggest rival, the like you know, the enemy, you may as well go home, you may as well pack your bags and never put on a Manchester United shirt ever again if you're not you're up for this type of game. We will delve into um, the game and, and, and stuff like that because obviously there's a lot of talking points tonight that we do have to discuss, not just about United but also um, Liverpool as well. Um, comment section is, uh, is talking, Helly is talking about Casemiro there, she's buzzing that the club um, are, is pulling off this deal. Obviously this is something that's after escalating since Tuesday, Phil, um, in terms of like Though this this transfer going ahead, obviously there's a lot of talk about the takeover, and consequently, since then, um, this Casemiro deal has has I suppose been coming to fruition. Looks like 
obviously he's not going to be there for Liverpool, but it looks like consequently he's going to be a Manchester United player. And um, what's your thoughts on Casemiro coming to Manchester United, and what's your feelings about finally us getting that defensive midfield player that so as me, you, and Lee have been harping on about in the last kind of twelve months. Yeah, as I say, I think it's been a, a position that we've sort of been crying out to to sort of get sorted for a long time. Um, obviously, was was a bit surprised that we've we've managed to you know get a player um, of, of Casemiro's elk, if you if you like. But I think you know that's that's what we should be doing. That these are the kind of players that we, we should be bringing to the club in order to sort of take us to the next level. Um, for me, I, I think he's a fantastic player. I mean, he's somebody who I think will. Certainly, come in and sort of, sort of change the sort of um, you know the, the way he plays the game and the way he's sort of energy and his passion and he, he loves putting a tackle in. I think that's exactly what we're lacking at this moment in time. Um, somebody who lead by example in that way, um, and I think obviously on the ball as well. I think he's a very good player. I think he gets probably overlooked a little bit on that side of things because obviously he plays with Luka Modric and Tony Cruz in there. Um, so, yeah, obviously looking forward to seeing him and I think he'd be a, a great addition to the squad. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited by the prospect of him coming in. I still don't think that, you know, him coming through the door will will solve our problems sort of, you know, short term. I think he's one player that's, you know, somebody who's going to come in and add a bit more quality and, and somebody who we need. But, again, I, I don't think he's going to be the the sort of key to all our problems. So I wouldn't get too carried away if I was, you know, supporters thinking he's going to come in and change the whole dynamic of, of you know, where we are at this present moment. But again, it's a, it's a big positive and um, it's somebody, you know, I've, I've admired from afar. He's obviously got a great record. He's, he's won numerous trophies. He's an international. Um, so yeah, great signing. And, and that's the kind of player we, we need to be bringing into the club to, to sort of get us where we need to be. Yeah, I think it's a, it's it's an interesting signing, and I'm seeing a lot of people on social media or wherever, and it's mostly kind of rival fans writing him off because he's thirty, but he's younger than Kevin De Bruyne, younger than Thiago, the same age as Jesse Lingard. Um, like he's a great player, and he's he's someone to know who's a leader as well. You can see him; he's a personality in that Real Madrid team, and that's something that. Do we lack in our team? I think his personality and your character, and he's someone who does deliver that. Um, and look, it's again, people can talk about the fee, but it's he's like a behind, in my opinion, behind Rodri, he's probably the second best defensive midfield player in world football. Like behind Rodri at this moment in time, probably like the second best. Just won the Champions League and is a very integral part of that Champions League winning squad last season. So obviously, people are saying, Why Real Madrid sell them? Well, let's let's be honest, they've just signed Chiwa many. This summer, they have Valverde, who's younger. They have Camavinga, and they're going all out for Joe Bellingham next summer. So that's why they want to kind of, you know, I suppose, bring in a new crop of midfielders. But Ancelotti actually didn't want them to go. But they said because, obviously, of the acquisition, though, of Joe many that they could afford to leave him go. And um, yeah. because, obviously, they have him. And, like, look, when you look at the Joe Bellingham deal next summer, if, if Real Madrid do do that, like, you know, Casemiro's, your game time next season probably would have been limited anyway. Um, so, but look, he's coming into the Premier League. I think from a physical aspect, he won't struggle in that regard. I look at like look at the likes of Thiago Silva and players like that coming to the Premier League, they didn't struggle. Um, like look at Fernandinho when he came to the Premier League as a defensive midfielder, he, he didn't struggle either. So, um, good signing. Um, and look, it's something that we weren't even, a player we weren't even considering. Um, you know, in the last six months, we were talking about defensive midfielders, you were talking about Declan Rice, we're talking about all these different players, and we actually never considered Casemiro. Um, so it's kind of you know, a welcome surprise and a welcome transfer. Just another one there, Phil, just on this signing, um, in terms of Casemiro. Do you think Ten Hag, after watching, like obviously he's not a typical Eric Ten Hag, number six, like defensive midfield player. He's not that typical Ten Hag type of player. Do you think Ten Hag's watched these two Premier League games and obviously seen the, like the way we've conceded goal, do you think he's probably looked at Casemiro and probably looked at him as probably a different type of midfielder he's going to need for this system to, to succeed? Because like we're playing Christian Eriksen holding midfield the other day, and before that we played McTominay and Fred in a two. Do you think he's looking at Casemiro and knows he needs needs a destroyer in, in, in there, considering when you look at all the top six players, obviously City of Rodri, do you know, obviously Liverpool of Fabinho, do you know, Arsenal, 
Joe, whether you like it or not, they've like Joe Granit Xhaka in there, they do like Chelsea if Kovacic and Kante. Like, do you think he maybe looked at that and looked at the way we've conceded goals and maybe think he needs to shore it up a bit in there? And that's why he's gone 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 for a player like Casemiro. Yeah, possibly. As I say, I think you know, playing in the Premier League, it's always going to be difficult for that particular player in that position because of the, the speed and the physicality of the league. Um, you know, the, the demands on on them kind of players are always going to be very high. Now, he's obviously been at Real Madrid. He's he's played at the top level for a number of years, and I think you know, him being available maybe to to bring into the club. Um, it's a no-brainer. I think, as you just touched on there, we have looked weak in them areas sort of for a, a number of seasons. And obviously, starting the season the way we have done um, isn't ideal. I think he's somebody who will definitely come in and, and sort of improve us and, and make it a lot more difficult for teams to break us down because I think he just he reads the game really well. Um, he's intelligent. And as I say, I think he's not just a, a sort of player that, you know, is a tackler and somebody who'll just get stuck in. He is actually quite good on the ball. And I think that's what we've, we've really been lacking from that deep um, holding midfield position. Um, since Michael Carrick and players like that, we've not really had anyone really who's been able to dictate a game um, from, from that uh, particular position. Now I'm not saying he's going to come in and, and start dictating the game, um, you know, like Michael Carrick would do, but I just feel as though he's somebody who's, probably going to take us on to that next level of, you know, a player who, who can maybe start off moves and, you know, will read the game a little bit better than what we have had previously because, as we've seen in them first two games, um, the defence is, is getting exposed far too often and, you know, we've, we've, we've seen sort of, you know, that we're, we're not up to the task um, at this moment in time to deal with that. So, I think he'll come in and be a great addition. Uh, but as I say, I wouldn't necessarily think he's going to solve the problem um I, I still feel like we're you know quite a long way off being where we need to be but I think he's a step in the right direction most definitely yeah and I think he's someone who look at I think drastically improves the midfield obviously I think we still need a bit more but um he's definitely is a player that improves Phil we're both going to answer this one and um, Richard says who is going to partner Casemiro Fred or Scott or would he play in his own that area of the pitch I think myself, he will play as a six. Um, and like Fred does for Brazil, I think Fred will be more box to box. And with Eric, I, like, I actually think with this with this transfer, I think you'll see Fred, you'll see Casemiro, Fred, and probably Ericsson, um in the more creative role. Obviously, him and Bruno will have to fight it out for that for that uh, position. But yeah, I think it'll be Casemiro and Fred because they even understand them from playing with Brazil. And I think. With Casemiro coming, it actually lessens Fred's defensive responsibility and he can be more potent in them kind of attacking areas. Like we actually did see um, under Ralph Rangnick last season, he, he did play very well when he was a bit higher up the pitch. But would you think, like, with even like to even reverse that, obviously Scott McTominay, when he's higher up the pitch in a box-to-box role, rather than sitting, he, he's good in getting, in getting into the box and being physical. Like, do you think between Fred, Fred or Scott, who do you think um, would be more suited to kind of partner Casemiro in there? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think, you know, Fred would, would probably just get the nod over Scott at this moment in time, just just purely based on, obviously, the chemistry that they've got playing together with Brazil. I think, obviously, Fred's probably been the better of the two players, um, certainly in the last sort of, you know, six to 12 months, um, especially, you know, when he played a little bit higher, I thought, uh, sorry, uh, Fred was um, really good. And I think that may... You know, may, we may see a, a little bit more out of Fred uh, higher up the pitch because obviously we signed him, um, you know, from from Shakhtar, I think it was in that position, and I think you know, I think he, he can offer um, a little bit more sort of higher up the pitch. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see because I mean, we don't know whether Casemiro, you know, has been brought in to try and fulfil that role on his own, so we could play maybe two other players who can maybe create more because I think that's another thing we've struggled with certainly in the first couple of games of the season. We've sort of we've not created enough and we've not really got balls in the box or we've not got, you know, players running on through on goal because we've not been able to break teams down, which is, you know, worrying. Um so whether whether they've got plans of, you know, maybe eventually let him sort of him deal with that um on his own and trying to get somebody else who can be a bit more creative in. Um 
We'll so you're saying that maybe Ericsson and Bruno with, with yeah. a cast? Yeah, I mean, potentially. I don't, I don't think against every team that's going to be something that you'd look at doing, but I think it could be another option against certain teams and, and against certain teams you set up in a way that, um, you know, we, we might be able to deal with that. Um, and then someone like Casemiro, who's obviously a seasoned pro at um, doing that particular role with the experience he's got, it could be an option. Um in order for us to, to, to try and help, you know, create a little bit more. Because I say, we've not really uh, been able to break teams down with with the sort of ease that we should be doing, really, against certain teams. Yeah, and I think especially against teams that maybe sitting on the 18, looking to hit us on the counter-attack, um, like to break these teams down, I think maybe a Casemiro as a lone midfielder in there, and then maybe given you know, Ericsson and Fernandez, you know, more freedom to go forward, or even a Donny van de Beek, I know I always bring him up but like do you know um yeah yeah it could it could be um it could be something that we can maybe look at in terms of against teams that who on paper would be less superior than us but at the moment we're at the bottom of the table so yeah you kind of have to say on paper at the minute and um, james says here and this will be the kind of last one on casemiro we do have to dive into the game um itself is casemiro signing and um, the end of the frankie Dion saga i'll leave you take that one phil do you reckon that is or do you think like Sancho, we might come back in for Frankie De Jong next summer. Yeah, pretend, I mean, again, I think the De Jong is, is somebody who the manager really likes. He's, he's obviously worked with him before. Um, I don't think that deal is, is going to happen, certainly not in this uh, window now. Um, but yeah, I mean, he may come back and, and revisit that maybe in the next transfer window if, if you know, the situations maybe... You know, After I mean, the World Cup could be very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that'll... that'll Obviously, depend on you know the the situation that he's got at Barcelona. What happens in the World Cup? You know how we sort of carry on from now until the start of the World Cup. And um, there's probably a lot of things that will happen in between then to to sort of you know decipher whether we can you know carry on with that uh, particular transfer. But again, I think the manager does really like him, and he's, he's shown a big interest in him. Um, so yeah, I think he will still keep him on the radar, but. Again, I think it's it's going to be a, a difficult one, really, with you know all the stuff that's going on at Barcelona and the money issues and you know whatever. So it, it could be one that drags out for a while. That. Yeah, I think it's something that we, it's definitely still look we need to look out for because like Barcelona are taking financial levers out left, right, and centre, and like that's not sustainable. And there's talk about Man United doing that, which look, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute, but. Um, I think it, it depends on what happens with him, not only financially at Barcelona, but also you have to look at it as well. Does he will he start every game there? Because the fact that the amount of midfielders they're after getting, and if you look at pre-season, um, Joe you know, Frank Young was playing centre half, um, during pre-season. So like, will he be happy with that over a course of a season? I doubt that very much. Um, so like that's where I think United need to be monitoring that situation. Um. Very closely, and especially look after the World Cup could be like I know it's said next summer, like it's probably most likely, but after the World Cup could be a very opportunistic time um, for us to sign him. Um, but again, it's one of them situations where like it's not only depending on Barcelona, it depends what happens to us because obviously, like you know, it, it's been re- been reported that, that the Glazers are you know looking to put Manchester United up for sale. Obviously, Phil and um, you know Jim Radcliffe. It's been linked with obviously with Joe coming in and, and taking over the club. Obviously, Apollo has been linked as well, but it looks like that's going to be dead in the water by the looks of things. It looks like Jim Ratcliffe is the most likely person to come in and take over Manchester United. Obviously, Phil, he's a Man United fan. And first and foremost, obviously, he, you know, he is the like, richest or second richest man in Britain. Um, someone who is going to, like, you know, if he is to take over, you, you'd like to think his heart will be in the right place, unlike. The owners we, we do have now, obviously, they're non-existent in terms of their communication with the club. Um, what are your thoughts to us, obviously, on a, a potential takeover um, at Manchester United? Obviously, it's been reported that it's going to be maybe five, six billion that it may cost um, you know, the, the new potential owners to come in and take over the club. Um, like, What are your thoughts to us, obviously? Because like, I know you mentioned one phrase a while ago is, do I light at the end of the tunnel? Like, do you look at this? Like, I know, look, the start of the season hasn't been great, but the fact that the, 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 the pressure seems to be cranked up in the Glazers and it seems like now, potentially, if that person could come in and take us over, what would you make of that potential situation? Yeah, I mean, as bad as we've been this um, 
sort of season at the start, I think on the pitch, I think this would be far, you know, superior to anything that's going to happen on the football field this season if we can, you know, get the, the Glazers out of the club and bring somebody into the club like Jim Ratcliffe, who's obviously a football fan. You know, he, he, he loves the club. Um, <clears throat> I actually listened to um, a guy who was speaking about him the, the, uh, the other day, or it might have been today, but he was basically saying, you know, somebody like Jim Ratcliffe, who's obviously a very, very wealthy person, who's willing to put that money into the club as an investment. Obviously, there's going to be a financial benefit to him, but that's secondary, I think, to, to what he's looking to do with the club. I think he wants to, to put the money into the club to get the club back to where you know it needs to be and, and, and have the feel-good factor around the place and you know the interaction with the supporters and all that side of things. So, you know, if we can get, you know, this sort of done at some point um, in the near future, then that would be amazing. I think that would be, you know, what all Man United fans have been have been begging to happen for for such a long time. Um, so yeah, that that would be great news if that does happen. Um, and I think again, then you've got someone who's going to you know back the club um, financially. You know, we'll be able to hopefully recruitment will be you know improved. Um, but but most of all, you know, all the stuff that the Glazers have done and and the way they've you know hemorrhaged money and, and all that kind of stuff in the background, all that will be put to bed and we can finally concentrate on the most important thing, which is, you know, the football on the field and, and the club being back to winning trophies, which is what I'm sure he wants to see, um, which, you know, any any owner of a football club should want to see. That's how he should be judged, um, the way the club's run and, you know, winning trophies and being successful that way. And like as a former player of the club, Phil, and obviously a supporter of the club as well, like when you look at what the Glazers are doing to the football club, like how, like how does that make you feel when you look at the look at the way they treat this club and treat us as supporters and, and people who are connected to the club? Like how how does that make you feel when you look at what like what they've done over a seventeen year span? Yeah, it's I mean it's horrible. I mean you know any owners of any. Um business you need transparency with with the fans because at the end of the day the club wouldn't be you know what it is without the fans the fans are everything um and and obviously they're just using it as a as a cash cow really and they're just you know doing everything uh for their own benefit their own selfish means and i think it's just got to a stage now where it's it's you know it's been going on for far too long you know they've they've had a good ride with you know all the stuff that they've done over that seventeen year period with the club. Um, I think they just need to you know you know basically do the right thing now and and you know let somebody else come in who's going to take Man United back to you know where they deserve to be and where they need to be as one of the biggest clubs, if not still the biggest club in the world, in my opinion. So it's been a hard period, obviously. You know at the start of it when they first come in and and. Sir Alex was still there. You wasn't at the club. You would have been at the club at yeah. that time. Yeah, I mean, when when it first happened and stuff, you know, it, it sort of all looked okay, and you know, you've got these American owners coming in, you know, with a lot of money and this, that, and the other, and I think it only sort of, you know, started hitting home after probably, you know, five six seasons after Ferguson had left, what they was actually, you know, here for and what he was doing, and and it was, you know. The, the the start of the decline really of um you know everything that's come to fruition over the last you know 10 years so definitely something that you know needs addressing you know they've they, they've obviously done what they've done and and we're hoping now uh, as fans as you know lovers of the football club that they, they can do the right thing they can get somebody in who's more passionate about the club who will interact will back the club in the right way um and and sort of you know we can start pushing back up that table and getting to where, you know, we should be, which is challenging for trophies on a regular basis. Yeah, it's something that, look, look, I think the head of the snake is going to be cut off very, very soon. And I think, look, there's no smoke without fire for me. And the fact that, look, there is Jim Ratcliffe's coming out and expressing interest. Like, if he's coming out publicly expressing interest, I think feeders would have been put out there. Do you know that? That's yeah. that the obvious well, offer. That's, that's the thing. I don't think, obviously... Because there has been rumours about this before, and obviously other people, but I think at this moment in time, something's got to give now with the way it's been going on for so long. Obviously, the start of the season for the club, all the stuff that's going on um, in the in the the background, and obviously Jim Ratcliffe's 
been publicly seen to to sort of made a statement about wanting to, you know, get a, a minority share or something in the club. So I think, you know, if he can do that and then, you know, gradually build that up over a period of time, then that'd be a fantastic uh, solution to to obviously all the problems that are going on at the football club. Yeah, and look again, even if it's like obviously he wants that to be a full share of the club, and look, I think. I think the clay, the way the Clays are looking at, it, they're looking to get out as well. Um, they're they're looking for a way up because look, put it this way: if Champions League football is not achieved this season, whether it's through the top four or the top six, sorry, or not top six, whether it's through the Europa League, um, that's detrimental to the football club in terms of that Adidas steel next summer, Absolutely. like that Adidas steel um, that gets caught in half in 2023 if we don't finish in the top four, um, like that's something that's going to greatly affect the football club, um. And then not only that, the team viewer team viewer have pulled out the sponsors just after a year after um, you know, being at the club. Um, like the 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 walls are closing in on 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 these parasites. And I think when you look at look at look at this right now, they, I don't know how longer they can sustain being owners of this football club. Yes, they can take their dividends out every year, but the 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 the, the shop is going to close eventually. And the fact they're talking about taking out levers and selling TV rights and stuff like that. What that tells me is that the club is broke because the cash flow. Like I was talking to Kieran McGuire there a couple of months ago, and the football finance expert, and like in two months ago, he said to me that a takeover for Manchester United could be could be you know could happen sooner rather than later because of how badly the financial situation is there. The Glazers may be actually looking to do cash out, and and like I I look at that situation now and I'm like. It, there's, there's no surprise that they're they're leaking, you know, that they're up for selling the club. And there's no surprise that you know, like Jim Ratcliffe will put feelers out there to, you know, um, say he's up for buying the club. Because if you actually look a couple of months ago when Jim Ratcliffe wanted to buy Chelsea, Jim Ratcliffe said on an interview on BBC that Manchester United isn't for sale and there's no point putting a bid in. All of a sudden, mm. the other day, his spokespeople come out and talk to the to, to the press, and you know, the press obviously have have obviously made that story available to us that Jim Radcliffe is, is interested in buying United. So again, as I said, there's no smoke without fire. And I think like it kind of brings me on to my next thing. When you look at people such as the 1958 who are protesting against these owners and they're doing it in, in numbers, very, very big numbers. And look, it's getting it's gathering a lot of attention from the press. It's gathering a lot of attention from us here doing a podcast. It's it's gathering you know mainstream attention. The nineteen fifty eight um do you know who who are the like the biggest fan group at the moment who are protesting against these owners? I suggest to everyone who is watching this podcast right now, or you're listening on the audio later on, back this fan group. If you're a match going fan, or you're from overseas, or from wherever you are, you need to back this fan group because they are being proactive in their approach and they are being transparent. And I think now when you actually, you know, look at this situation, the owners they are in dire straits. They are in, they're under pressure. Why do you think two weeks ago they're trying to sign Adrian Rabio and Marco Ronautovic? And after that fan backlash, and after, you know, obviously the walls closed in, now they're signing Casemiro, now they're linked with Anthony, do you know, now they look like putting in a bid for Anthony. Now they're signing a right back and a goalkeeper. Why is that? Because they know the, the walls are closing in, they've seen the start of the season. They're in panic mode right now because they know if Champions League is not achieved next season, no, this season, sorry, they're screwed. They know financially this club will be in the pits. There's no shock that Richard Arnold, when he did meet with the, the a couple of members of the 58 a couple of months ago, where he said the money is here next summer, it won't be there next summer. Do you know why he said that? Probably because he wasn't confident this club was going to finish in a Champions League place. And that's why he's saying that that, that type of statement. And that's why you know, the, the, the walls are closing in on these owners. And you need to back the, the, these protests. And, like, you know, myself, Phil, me, like, we, we've all vocally said that we're obviously behind these protests and you know we want the, the, these fans to succeed because at the end of the day we want our football club back like that that's what we want at the moment like look we're all supporters of the football club we all have our connection to this football club but ultimately we want this back in the power of the fans and, and in the power of someone who wants to run this football club for us not to, to these people over in Tampa Bay who couldn't give a I'm not going to say the word, but couldn't give to a rat's bottom um, of what we think. So, look, whenever I say to you guys, like, 
whether whether you're overseas, whether you're in the UK, wherever it may be, just back these back to 1958, back all these groups who are putting you know pressure on the Glazers because at the end of the day, once the once the fan base is united and once you know the, the Glazers are put under pressure, eventually there's going to be a breaking point. They're going to have to sell. So obviously, look as I say to you, like again, sponsors stuff like that. Do what you need to do. Do you know? But at the end of the day, we they, we can't have this lasting any longer. Yeah, no, I totally agree with what you said. Um, I'm fully behind the supporters. Uh, I think they've done it in a respectful way. They've done it in the right way. Um, and yeah, massive pressure now on the Glazers from all angles, really. So we're just hoping that something something's got to give, and and you know we can get somebody like Jim Ratcliffe, who you know we know has got a connection to the club, um, and he will do. The, the the ownership sort of the right way we're hoping so yeah that's obviously you know what we want to see sooner rather than later so you, you, you know getting all the backing from myself and I'm sure all the other fans um I think they've done a great job and and hopefully you know the voices will keep getting heard um and the right people will will keep trying to you know make this thing uh, happen what we all want to see yeah absolutely and look. It's the biggest game of the season on Monday. It, so all the eyes, every single broadcaster is going to be looking at this game. If there's ever time to protest, it is Monday, 100%. And Wayne just letting us know as well in the comments, guys, that we do have Matt Dickinson of the Times. and He broke the story, and so he's going to be on the podcast next week as well. So do be sure to check that out as well. But, Phil, what we are here to speak about this evening mainly is um, the biggest game in English football, which is Man United versus Liverpool. Whether, you know, I'm going to put asterisks over it, whether the game goes ahead or not, and um, we do have to speak about the game. Um, so basically, like, look, both teams haven't had the best start to the league season. United have had two defeats. Liverpool have had two draws. Um, you know, coming up to this game, I wasn't expecting us to be only two points behind Liverpool. I'm not going to lie when I looked at both of them, both of our fixtures, but it is what it is. Um what you make, obviously, look, we spoke about United start. Um, and obviously, look, we've talked about like how we've been playing. But when you look at Liverpool and you look at the opposition, it's very uncharacteristic of kind of how, how they usually play. What do you make of their start so far this season? And do you think um, do you, it may be a struggle for them compared to previous seasons? Yeah, I think obviously they've not had an ideal start. Um, I actually watched the game against Fulham, um, who were fantastic, to be honest, on the day. Um, you know, they come come right out the traps. It was all, you know, looking really sharp and, and sort of was, was right in Liverpool's face from the minute go. Um, I think Liverpool was just a little bit sloppy and, and couldn't really get sort of a real foothold in the game, just purely based on, on Fulham's work rate and the way they went about that particular game. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I watched the Palace game as well the other day. They, they sort of looked a little bit more like the, the Liverpool we've seen over previous seasons, but, again, didn't didn't really think they was looking, you know, um, like they was firing on all cylinders. So it's, it's, you know, one of them games where, obviously, we've just come on off the back of, you know, a really bad result at Brentford. But I'm not as sort of worried as I probably would have been last season when I knew how well Liverpool were playing. You know, all the players were um, in tip-top shape. It was all, you know, on, on fire, if you like, and, you know, hitting, you know, the, the sort of um, eight, nine out of tens every week. Whereas I think at this moment in time, they're not quite there yet. It's probably a good time to play them if, if, if you can see where I'm coming from in the fact that both teams haven't been playing well. It's a massive derby. United need to have a reaction from the start they've made this season. They've obviously had a boost with, you know, the signing of Casemiro and, you know, potential, you know, the the taking over from, you know, Jim Ratcliffe maybe, you know, happening. So there should be a little bit more of a buzz um, if the game does go ahead. Um, but yeah, I think Liverpool have obviously, you know, got a lot to prove and and, and obviously four points already behind City, so they won't want to you know, lose any further ground on that because, you know, City have looked formidable um, again um, already in, in the first two games. So, yeah, it's going to be a dif- difficult game to predict. I, I, I wouldn't know where to start with the prediction on this one because it could be literally any result, um, if I'm being honest. But, 
yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Um, and as I say, United, you, need, you know, it's, it's a massive derby. You need to, you know, make sure you're running, fighting and tackling for every single ball. And, and you know, when you've got that bit of time on the ball, you need to make sure you've got that bit of quality, which I think has been the most disappointing thing for me, really. Obviously, we've conceded goals, we've made bad mistakes, but we, we don't look like we're going to score a goal, to be honest, this season. In the first two games, I think we've not looked... Um, like we've got, you know, that attacking edge now. When I watch this in pre-season, obviously I know Martial's injured and he's you know, he, well, he's back this week. He's back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he's been injured for the the the, the other games, so we, we've not had him in. But we've just not looked like we've got that cutting edge about us. And and obviously after seeing us in pre-season, I know pre-season's what it is, and you don't read too much into it. But we actually looked like we was sort of finding a little bit of form and some relationships between certain players and I've not really seen any of that so far. So disappointed with, with obviously that side of things more so than than the obviously um the other the other side of the coin where we've we've obviously conceded goals, you know, mistakes and poor defending and being naive and not aggressive and not working hard enough and all that. But you know, we're not gonna win any games of football if we're not creating and scoring goals so I think we need to you know get that sorted as soon as possible yeah and I think what you mentioned quite rightly there in terms of like in like the, this is probably the best time in the season where we're going to play Liverpool because if this is a couple of months later when they hit their stride and their injuries come back it may be a different story like I look at their midfield kind of conundrum at the minute like I like Tiago being out, I think it could be a big one for us because um, he's obviously a brilliant player. I, look, I know I've slagged him off in the past, but that's just kind of trying to boil some piss between myself and Liverpool fans on Twitter. But like, he's a good player. He dictates play very well. Um, do you know, I think Fabinho being out is um, a loss also for him. Like Canate on that right channel as well um, is also a loss. But like, they still do have very good players. I think obviously, like, look, I think Luis Diaz is a. Uh, Fantastic footballer, has been a very good signing for him. Obviously, Mo Salah is Mo Salah. Like, you give him a chance, he'll take it most likely. Same as like Cristiano, he if you give him a chance, he'll score. Um, but like it, it's it's one of them. Where it's a hard like as as much as like look they they beat us twice last season. I think this is a harder game to predict, considering both teams haven't hit their full stride. Considering look, if you want to be honest, these two teams played each other a few weeks ago. Now, again, pre-season, um, but they, they have played each other very recently. Now, I know we won that game, but obviously both teams were chopping and changing during the game. That obviously probably has no bearings on what's going to happen on Monday. But I think you're right, Phil. Like The fact it's Old Trafford, the fact it's a Monday night football, it's going to be under the lights, especially everything that's happened this week. I think these players need to show up, and they do need to stand up and be counted. They do need to create chances. I dare to say this Casemiro deal is going to be done tomorrow um, and probably he'd be in the UK for Sunday. We're probably going to see, I think, a Raphael Varane moment um, Monday. I think what they're going to do is they're probably going to present him before the game, probably trying to stop the fans protesting. I think that's what they're probably going to do by trying to do that. They're probably going to try to deter the fans from protesting. I'm going to be honest, that's not going to work. The fans are going to protest anyway. Um, but like, I think that type of moment, Casemiro coming out, being presented might give the players a boost. Now, it'd be interesting to see kind of um, like what Ten Hag does this Monday because if you look at Liverpool, they have a number of players out midfield. So the, the likelihood we're probably going to see, you know, Harvey Elliott, Miller, Henderson probably is their midfield three. You, you, you think that probably going to midfield three or Curtis Jones or you know, someone like that in the middle of the park for them. And then, do you know what you guys have your standard Trent Robertson, Van Dyke, it'll be either Phillips or Joe Gomez centre half because obviously Kanate and Matip are both out. So, like, this isn't the strongest Liverpool team we're going to play. So, I think Ten Hag, I think he needs to be kind of tactical with this, like, with, with this formation he's going to play this week because, like, I think he can't be too open. If he plays the same formation he plays against Brentford without injuries or not with Liverpool, I think they could really pick us apart. So I think they, I think he needs to be a, a tiny bit more pragmatic just to make sure we don't concede goals too early, but we're, we're in the game. Um, but it's interesting because obviously we haven't started well. To, like I know it's, you know it's Liverpool at home. 
does Ten Hag think we need to attack, we need to get the, the, the fans up, or does he go with the kind of the pragmatic approach of you know stay in the game and then you know get a goal? You know, obviously as we grow into the game, but it's strange. I wonder how he does it, like what he, what he does this weekend. Potentially, because um, obviously I've seen obviously Rafael Varane potentially could be coming back into the side. Do you think he might um, maybe push Martinez a little bit into that CDM role um, and and see how that works? Just because obviously I think a lot of people have been saying in the press about his height and the physicality of you know the Premier League. Obviously, the goal against Brentford the other day. Don't necessarily think it was his fault. Um, but I think a lot of people of Carragher and people that have been sort of saying about Carragher, Jamie Carragher has been trying to like I'm just gonna be honest about this. Jamie Carragher has been trying to drive an agenda against Alexandra Martinez since the minute we since the minute he signed yeah. him. Carragher actually didn't watch the game and he blamed Martinez. Like that's absolute you know, there was a, it was the Brighton game, I think it was he didn't even watch. Or was the Brentford it was one to two because he said it, he didn't watch the game, but you know, he said they were targeting him down that side. I think it's absolutely ludicrous for um, like Carragher's agenda because if you actually look at the statistics, I know the, even during the game he was dealing with both like in, in both Brentford and Brighton he actually didn't do too badly compared to other players, and like the uh, the statistics back up he wasn't that bad either. Yeah. I think what it is is Jamie Carragher is just anti United, and yeah. Yeah. and he's just trying to drive that agenda. It's pure pure skills like. No, I, I, and I, I wasn't sort of, you know, saying that he, he was sort of uh, struggling or anything. Because if you look at the duels and, and stuff, I think he has done done reasonably well so far. I was just thinking, obviously, because of all this sort of yeah. speculation and talk of him maybe not having the height that Ten Hag may maybe try him in that sort of, you know, CDM role and see how that works. Because I know he can play that position. Um and obviously, with the likes of if Firmino's playing, who likes to drop into them pockets and come off the two centre halves, it it may be a, a game that could potentially suit him in in that role. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely bang on. I think look, we need. I think we need to call Varane back up for this game, regardless of where we put Lisandro on midfield or not. I think he's integral, um, to the way we're going to play in this game. Yeah. I think he his experience and. In most games last season where he played in the, in the defence, we, we didn't lose that many games. Yeah. So I think you know, we do need to kind of start him in the back. And look, I agree with Martinez in midfield as well because he's comfortable on the ball as well. So when Liverpool press, when you have Firmino, when you have Henderson and Milner who look, who are older players, but they're still aggressive and they still press. And they, they, they like to they use that trigger to press. Obviously, without Casemiro in there, I think having Lissandro Martinez in there in the two, with, 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 with either whether it's Fred or whether it's McTominay, preferably, I know him and Fred are two left-footers. Um, yeah. But you, you need, I think you need him in there, for just for a sheer tenacity in there. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, I mean, that, that again was, was part of my thinking behind him maybe doing that, because obviously when you look at the... Um, the centre half now that we're going to have, we've got Varane who's going to obviously be a little bit more um, experienced. He's got a bit more pace to deal with the likes of Salah and Diaz. Um, I think that role for Martinez may be, you know, suited for this particular fixture. Um, so that that was obviously my thinking behind him, him sort of, you know, pu- pulling into that position. Because uh, as I say, he, he likes getting stuck in. I think, you know, that's going to be a, a big part of this particular fixture. You know, we need somebody who's going to be able to put a tackle in, get stuck in, um, but still be able to take the ball and, and be comfortable on the ball. So, yeah, I, I actually think that that is what he'll go with um, on Monday, um, just to sort of, you know, counteract what Liverpool do in that uh, particular part of the pitch. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I, I actually feel as though that would be um, a good a good player by Ten Hag, just to sort of um, give us a, a better chance, really, of... Um, you know, again, trying to counteract them and, and sort of keeping us sort of a little bit more safe, but then also being able to make um, some more passes and get someone who can pick a pass from that position and try and get us on the, the front foot when we're trying to create and score goals. Yeah, and I think as well, like you're right, his passing range, he, he is good at that aspect of the game. But also, like if we want to try to win the ball back quickly and transition it quickly, I think he's someone who can definitely be 
utilize that, especially in the counter attack. Would it wor- would it worry you though? Let's say if we did play him and Fred in there, the fact we have, like I know we've seen we've done it before managing Fred in midfield and it has worked before, but like having two left footers in there, do you, would that do you think that would necessarily be a problem in there on Monday? Yeah, I mean potentially it's one of them. Obviously, you know Premier League football. I know he's left footed, but surely you know he's he's just as good uh, with his right foot as well. Um, you'd expect him to to be able to deal with that. And as I said. Two players being left-footed, I don't think would be a major issue. Um, you know, even though you know when people sort of look at it and they do all the sort of analysing of you know how people should play in this position and that. For me, I think you know they're both comfortable on the ball. They should be be able to play. You know, you know in a position regardless of you know being a preferred foot. Um, and as I say, I just think for his tenacity and the way that this particular game's set up, I think that'd be a a good way to go with with him in there. I think that'd give us probably the best chance of getting some out of the game. Yeah, I think him and Fred, like I know that that, that balance issue may be there, but I think if you look at like his, his aggressive nature, like yeah. if Milner and Henderson are in there, we need to match yeah. that. Yeah, I think it's one of them as well, Keen. I don't think at this moment in time we, we haven't really got anything to lose. So, you know, what why not try it and, and see what happens and Again, it could could be something that doesn't work, and and you know we have to sort of you know rejig the reshuffle the pack again. But it could be something that actually you know really works well against the top side, and and you know then we can sort of build on that and say right, well we, we've found something now that's actually working. You know we're going to give these two players, or maybe or three players, whatever it is, a chance to try and gel, build up a bit of a relationship, and give them a run in the team, and and try and. You know, get to a level where we're consistently, you know, performing because that I think that's been the biggest issue really with with the club over the sort of past couple of seasons, most certainly that we haven't had a, a sort of settled eleven, and that's obviously for loads of different reasons, you know, COVID and all that kind of stuff. But you know, when I look at our team, I, I don't think Ten Hag at this moment knows his best eleven. I don't think any of the managers previously have known the best eleven for a period of time. And I think that's why we've not really seen the the consistency levels that we've we've needed. Because um, when you look at all the other teams who you know are, are, you know fighting for all these competitions, the, the their teams pretty much pick themselves unless you know there's injuries and suspensions. So I think we need to to get to a stage where that's we where we're we're at, um, and we give players to try and gel, a chance to try and gel and and get to know each other a little bit because. As you know, in football, you know, if you're chopping and changing every single week and you're playing with different players and all that kind of stuff, it, it doesn't help. And um, it's a nightmare for managers, you know, trying to, you know, play a certain way and then you're having to change it for personnel and people's strengths, weaknesses. And yeah, it, it's something that I think we need to sort of now just try and, you know, go with. Obviously, if all the players are fit, give them a chance. It doesn't work. Then again, you know we've got to look at recruitment and and try and bring people in who can who can play in that style of play. I think it's definitely something that needs to be trialed at least because let's say if he does play well there, him and Casemiro could be a partnership. You just never know. Yeah. Um, they're both aggressive midfielders, and you know it could be something that is completely different to what we we have now, and it's something that teams won't be expecting. Obviously, when McTominay Fred play, every everyone knows what they expect from that parent and they know how to kind of combat that parent. So it could be something different and like no better time to try it than Monday, Monday night. Um, now that we've actually talked about that, we've talked about kind of how Liverpool have been aggressive and we've talked about their start to the season. Um, we're actually going to do our lineups and predictions. Now, obviously Lee isn't here. So Lee, you're going to have to take an L this weekend, not unless you give us the um, lineups in the chat, which look, hopefully you do. Um, we I did say at the start of the season we would take we would do our own little league table between the three of us um, about score predictions and we all haven't scored a point yet this season so hopefully this weekend it can be um, it can be a start because like last season Phil got off to a great yeah. start yeah I was good last year but I mean this season I don't think anyone would have predicted them first two results um, especially not last week Brentford 4-0 and um, that was just, yeah. I mean, if you got that right, then fair play to you. you fair play to you. They're probably in the minority that on Leicester 5,000 to 1. They're probably in that minority. 100%. Yeah. 
they're probably in that minority. And I I always see a post like, what would you take five million dollars or Joe you know, um, the ability to go back to the past? I would definitely go back to the past and I'd throw all my savings on Leicester five five thousand to one. Um, imagine that. But anyway, we're sidetracking or sidetracking there, we're sidetracking. Um yeah, look, we go to our lineups and predictions and um Lee, um if you are watching or listening back later on, do give your predictions in our group chat so we can update this in um in next week's show and I can actually bring our league table up on screen Joe, for next week's show on my Excel file. We'll have to put that up. Um but yeah, look, we will we will get that in there. So first of all, Phil, I'll get your lineup and formation there, one to eleven for Monday Night Football. Right, okay. I'm gonna say obviously De Gea in net. I think you know last week wasn't his greatest um, performance by any stretch, but um, you know I think he has been one of our better players certainly last season. Um, so I think he'll still be given an opportunity to sort of prove himself um, and and show a good reaction. So I think De Gea in net. I'm gonna go for Dallo. Uh, I'm gonna go for Varane, Maguire, and I think Malassia is gonna get a game. Um, don't know why. I think obviously Shaw has started um, the first two games, but I just feel as though um, because of his pace and obviously I think he's a lot more sort of forward-minded um, than Shaw um, in terms of what I've seen in pre-season and stuff. I think he'll give him an opportunity against obviously a good side to see what he's about. Um, so I've gone with that as the back four. I think Martinez will, will be in the CDM role with Fred and uh, Ericsson, and then I think the the front three. Obviously, I'm going to go for uh, Ronaldo, uh, Sancho, and then I think it's a toss up between Rashford and Bruno. But I think obviously, from what I see in the other day, obviously Rashford weren't great um, by any stretch. But I think you know he he had little glimpses where he looked like he was going to do something, but it never really panned out. And obviously being 3-0 down at the time when I think he was doing what he was doing, it was sort of the game was already put to bed. Um, Bruno hasn't really done anything for me um, in the last couple of games, not really done enough to probably warrant a, a start. But yeah, I, I, if I had to choose, I'd probably say Rashford um, just on the basis of, I think he's looked more likely to do something in, in the, the first couple of games. He has a history of roasting Trent. And I think like, look, that's something that, that maybe... Like if there's ever a game for Marcus Rashford to come back to his form, it's against Trent Alexander-Arnold. Because um, we, we all know, um, you know what Rashford has done with him in the past. Um, but let's see. Let's see. So just to reiterate, Phil, your lineup is De Gea, um, Delo, Varane, Malassia, Martinez, Fred. Um, who was your 10? Was it Ericsson or was it Bruno? Yeah, Ericsson, Rashford, Sancho, Ronaldo. Ericsson, Rashford, Sancho, Ronaldo. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. What's mad is, right, my 1 to 11, I have 10 out of the 11 um, in my predicted 11 um, for next week. Now, everyone's going to say, Keane, you have Tom Heaton in goal. My prediction is that David De Gea starts this week, but after this game, we may see him be dropped. The result dependent. Result dependent. Yeah. I don't think if you're throwing Tom Heaton in goal, I don't think this week's the right week to do it. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you on that, Keen. As I said, then I think obviously, I think it'd be a massive um, sort of curveball if he did throw the likes of Tom Heaton into this game. You know, he's not played for a long time. It's obviously a massive game. I think De Gea has obviously had a bad week last week, but again, I think he will potentially get dropped. But I don't think this is the right time to do it, yeah. just because of. The, the situation and, and the sort of um, the team that we're up against and, and the sort of type of game that it's going to be. I think it'd be a little bit too much to ask to to throw Tommy in into a, a game like that on such short notice. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think just with the trajectory of how Dav De Gea has played in the last six months, I, I think like he's struggling. He's going like, He's currently struggling in this system. And I think it's not sustainable to have him in goal all season. That's just my opinion. People might disagree with it, but I just think David De Gea's time at Man United is is done. To be quite honest, I think he'd be better off at a, a different club. And just considering the style of play, I, I do appreciate everything he's done for us. He's been a fantastic goalkeeper for the football club and a great servant to the football club. But I just think 
we do kind of need to move on and we do need to put some less in between the sticks. I think at this moment in time, Tom Heaton is a better fit for what we need. Um, just from a command-in-the-box standpoint, I think also he'd be better sweeping the David De Gea and also um, Joe, um, from distribution as well. I think Joe, he'd be a lot better at that um, compared to David De Gea. But look, again, that's just my opinion on it. But um, I will go with my 11 anyway. Um, so I do have 10 out of the 11 that Phil and actually Mark in the comments has predicted as well. Um, obviously, David De Gea and goal. I have Dallow in there because it's, so bizarrely, bizarrely, we've our best right back out on loan at the moment. I just find that so bizarre. Our best right backs out on out loan at QPR at the moment. I find that quite embarrassing to be honest. But look, it is what it is. Um, so I go Dallow right back for Anna Maguire. I do agree. I think as well with this game, I don't think he's going to start Malasia just because I think with this game, I don't think he, he I don't think he throws either Heat or Malasia to the Wolves because it's Liverpool. I think he started Luke Shaw for experience, even though on merit he shouldn't start. I agree with you, Phil. And I think Malassia should play there. Um, but I think Luke Shaw will start just on the basis of experience. And um, I don't think, yeah, for young Malassia, I think if you're going to throw him in, I think it's on after this game. And si- similarly with De Gea as well, um, I, I, I think Luke Shaw will start this game. However, I went with the same midfield three and um, front three as well. So I've gone Martinez. Fred Eriksson and Sancho, Rashford and Ronaldo. Um, similarly, I think Rashford's like I think Rashford and Sancho have both been the same level since we started this season. I think both of them have been quite like I think Rashford has been less poor than him because he's actually got into positions and like I know he hasn't scored, but he's got into positions to you know have that chance. I think Jaden Sancho can't beat the first man, he can't beat a player. And um, he keeps giving the ball away, and that's something he never usually does. Yeah. Um so I think both of them are struggling at the minute. And I think, look... Probably frustrating, isn't it, with Sancho? Because obviously pre-season he looked, you know, like he had a new lease of life. He was scoring goals. He was running through the middle of the pitch. He was, you know, he looked like he could beat a man. He, he looked quick. And as soon as the Premier League started, it just looks like the flip, uh, the, the switch has been flicked and he, he can't beat a man. He's giving the ball away needlessly. He's not tracking back. He looks like he's got no confidence. Um which is, is bizarre, really, because this season I was expecting him, I tipped him, really, to be sort of, you know, probably our best player this year. And, um, you know, after the first couple of games, it's, you know, been been worrying, really, with, with the way he sort of um, has looked just within himself as well. He, he doesn't look as though he's sort of enjoying his football, which I get, obviously, at the moment. It's not a great time to be, you know, at the club with everything that's been going on and results and stuff, but... You know, you need to, to in order to play, you know, your best football, you need to, to be, you know, happy and, and sort of, you know, playing with a smile on your face. And I think the sooner we get, you know, our players back um, feeling good about, you know, the cells and, you know, the performances, then we'll, we'll hopefully see some better performances uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think, look, again, Sancho is a strange one because I think... Last season, we see him start quite slowly. Now, he did have issues with COVID last season and injuries early on. And to be fair, Ollie was kind of playing Pogba on the wing as well. So there was kind of different kind of um, issues why he didn't kind of, you know, get the start that we all thought um, we all thought he could have. But I think it's interesting because I think he needs, like, I know Rashford's taken a lot of sick from fans. I think you, you kind of have to look at Jaden Sancho at the moment and say he, just as much as Rashford, he's underperformed as well. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and say things like people say on Twitter and they fully, you know, badmouth the player, they, they abuse the player and, and, and stuff like that. No, no, that's not the case at all. But I look at him and say, like, he ha- both, both him and Rashford have in their locker to play better, to beat that first man, to get balls early into the box, to shoot, you know. Like, I, I, I look I look at so many Marcus Rashford highlights, and I look, like, especially under Solskjaer, how well he actually played. Yeah. Um, it's like they've, they've sort of lost that, like, uh, spark and that ability to sort of, like, want to create an opportunity and beat a man and do, do something special like we know they can do. Um, I think it's just, you know, disappointing. Um, and I think that they've, they've just sort of been shot of confidence for so long. Um, and it, it's just, you know, got to a stage now where they, they don't want to give the ball away. So they're just doing everything that's safe and 
we want them to be the players that take the risks in the final third and and do the things that you know we, we want to see and and you know be them players that you know can do something different because we've seen them do it you know on numerous occasions they're just not doing it at the moment for whatever reason it's like they've almost forgot how to, how to like in the final third in that kind of final phase of play what to do whether it's I think massively it is um, a confidence thing um, you know, for Jaden and for Marcus as well I think it's massively a, a confidence thing because we've seen how they can do it we see, especially with Jaden Sancho like how he can drift wide or he can you know, cut in and Marcus as well, um, like, you know, he usually even beats the first man. He brings the ball just a tiny bit inside and creates a little tiny, it might be, might be the tiniest of angles, but, <coughs> but he get that shot off, you know, and I think yeah. it's, I can't, like, I don't know what it is, but I can't pinpoint why they're not doing it anymore. I don't know, is it confidence? Yeah, is problem. it military instruction? Like, you know, you, you just don't know. Yeah, it's it is it's a really weird one because as I say, them players in them positions are in the team to be the, the players that create things for us that, that are the ones that are willing to take a risk and, you know, beat a man and get crosses in, try and, you know, be creative in and around the box and none of them really um, you know, put put everybody sort of really in that category at the moment. Even Bruno, you know, Ronaldo, they just don't yeah. look as though, you know, the the sort of they've got the ability to to do to which is sounds you know crazy but at this moment in time it, it's what it, what I'm watching and what I'm seeing it doesn't look like they've got the the ability and the confidence and the desire to want to create a chance or to put the you know neck out and get on the end of a cross or even put a cross into the box it, it's that bad at the minute we're not we're not doing anything in terms of you know creating and, and you know taking risks and I think the sooner we get players back to, to sort of any sort of level that are, that are doing that, I think we'll, we'll sort of start being a little bit more of a threat. I think, we, you know, teams are, are sort of, you know, Brentford the other day, I think their centre-halves must have, you know, got the cigars out after about 20 minutes thinking, there's nothing happening up here, what's going on? And, and you know, that should never be the case with, with any team that's up against Man United with the amount of talent that we've got on that pitch. You know, you should be causing problems, you know, all the time, you know, in and out of, um, you know, bad performances and stuff. You should always want to, you know, try and create a chance or because what, what's the point in, you know, playing? Otherwise, that's that's what you're in the team to do, not to just pass it back and, you know, keep possession and, you know, don't give the ball away and just, you know, run around. No, you're in the team to, to create our chances to put the ball in the back of the net to, you know, give defenders problems, to, to make runs and give, you know, people other, other people opportunities to create space. And, and we're not seeing any of that, um, which is it's, it's worrying, as I said. That. I think that's our biggest sort of problem, really, at this moment in time. I know we, we've, we've leaked a lot of goals and we, we look poor defensively as well. But, you know, that, that um, you know, Man United way of playing forward, getting the ball out wide, putting balls in the box, being aggressive in the final third, you know, having the, you know, confidence and sort of uh, arrogance to beat a man and do something different. We've we've not got any of that. And it's it's sad to see, really, because that's what everyone comes to Old Trafford to see. You know, at the end of the day, you want to see goals, you want to be entertained, you want to watch good football. Um, and these players... I've been performing well below par for for a considerable amount of time now, and it needs to needs to change. Yeah, and it's something where I, I I look at these performances and I look at these players, and I'm thinking there's so much more you can give. Like there's so much more you can do. I know you have that talent in abundance, and I think we need to start seeing it sooner rather than later. There's no better time to do it than Monday. There's absolutely no better time to do it than Monday. Like. Robertson has been very underwhelming since the start of the season. He hasn't been himself. Um, hence, like I watched him the other night, like he got taken off Timicast. We don't often see that. Like obviously, Trent, we know how like we know how brilliant he is going forward. Like he's one of the best right backs in the world going forward. Um, but defensively, he does have his frailties. And I think if there's a time where Marcus Rashford can gain some confidence back, it is against Trent Alexander Arnold. I really do believe that. 
Um, but look, we, we will wrap it up there on just with score predictions, um, Phil. Um, what's your score prediction for Monday's oh. game? Are you going to go out on a limb here? Oh, mate, you've, you've done me. Because honestly, I, I can't actually think of a result straight off the top of my head. I am actually going to say, though, I think we will get some out of this game. And I, I, I actually believe that. Uh, I'm not going to say we're going to win because I think that's a little bit too optimistic with the way we've started. Uh, but I am going to say we're, we're going to get a, a point. I'm going to go for a, a 2-2 draw. There's going to be a few goals, so I'm going to say a 2-2 draw. 2-2 draw. That An entertaining game at Old Trafford. That would be interesting. Oh, I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. I'm going to go 1-0 United. I'm going to go 1-0. I'm going to I'm going to say we're going to keep a clean sheet and we're going to nick we're just going to, we're not going to deserve to win but we're going to win. I think we're we're not going to deserve it by any stretch of imagination. I think if anything it'll be a dodgy win for us. We'd probably still look frail but for some reason we're going to win the game. I'm going to go 1-0 and I'll go I'll add to that. Um do you know what? I'm actually going to go with a Marcus Rashford winner. Just, just, I think, you know, it'd be great to see him put Trent on toast one last time. Well, not one last time, but another time, you know. I don't think Marcus is leaving anytime soon. But, yeah, they're both our score predictions. I've gone 1-0 United. Um, Phil has gone to all. We will get Lee's score prediction for the game, and I'll be able to put it on the, on the screen then next Friday. And let's see if one of us, one of the three of us, um, does get it right. Hopefully, please God, as we say. But thanks very much, everyone, for watching. Thanks, everyone, um, for listening in. As well, we will be back um, on Monday, obviously, post-match podcast. Um, I'll be on there. Um, Mark will be hosting. Mark's asked Phil. He's available on Monday. Phil will respond to that with Mark um, on Twitter. Um, and, yeah, we will be on talk, the dissecting the game. So, hopefully, as... Any match reaction we've actually had on Talk to Devils, I've, we've actually never won a game when I've been on. So, um, look, hopefully I can break my duck. Monday would be the best time to do it, especially against the Scousers. That would be um, the best thing ever. But, yeah, do and uh, like, share, and subscribe, guys. We do appreciate your support. And we do have a lot of uh, interesting um, podcast interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. So do um, make sure to check it out and subscribe on YouTube and you know, on all audio platforms, whichever audio platform you prefer to use. And um, yeah, thanks very much for your support over the last couple of weeks. And look, we will be back here as well, myself, Phil, and hopefully Lee here as well next week. And we will be dissecting the Liverpool game, but also talking about the upcoming Southampton game after that. But until then, guys, thanks very much, everyone, for watching. And we'll see you next week. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans